0: All right, so the long awaited episode, welcome to episode three with Dr. Gabe. That'll be the last time I call him that because he'll insist on me calling him Gabe every other piece after this. So interesting part about this, this is by far our most weird connection guest i probably ever had. And I think it's a cool way, it's almost like a cult and I'll explain why. My sister had reached out to me, saying, "Like, I go to this guy. He's my chiropractor. He talks about this guy, that David Goggins guy you always talk about, and he's run like these long races." And she's like, "I don't know. I think you should probably call him. He might be good on your podcast." Okay, that's fine. So, I give Gabe a call out of nowhere, and uh, it was kind of one of those cool things where, like, when you know you're talking to somebody who thinks kind of like you do, you don't need to explain much. So I talk about my podcast, and within like the first five minutes. It was basically greenlit. Let's get it on. So, um, this is this is the first time I actually ever met Gabe before. So this is going to be really fun, um, Gabe. So we have got this. You know, you're the owner of Ellis Chiropractic. Um, also good friends with our mutual friend Dr. Mark. Shout out him. Uh, can you just kind of give us the background? Like, are you from here? How'd you grow up? Like, what what? How did you become where you are? Like right now,
1: in a short sense. I have no clue. I have no clue. Uh, it's funny. People always ask me, "How did I end up in Illinois?" And I mean, I literally have to like scratch my head and, and then think about it. I grew up in Michigan, raised um raised in Michigan my whole life. Went to college in Michigan. Went to grad school in Iowa. Moved to Chicago. Wanted to you know experience the city life. And then I met I met my future wife and ended up in uh, Plainfield, Illinois. Man, never never thought I'd be in the Midwest this long in Illinois for. Any amount of time, Um, but capitalized on a a beautiful girl and opened a practice up and kind of just took every risk I possibly could, just like just like you're doing. And uh, you know, if your mind and heart in the right place, it just works out, right? I mean, it's nice to have strategy and you know some smart people surrounding you, but uh, that's it, man. It wasn't like a a real hard recipe.
0: Got it, fair. So. Yeah, like, growing up, like, did you always have, like, the entrepreneurial instinct inside of you? Or what What caused you to say, hey, I'm going to go out on the limb and I'm going to kind of do it for myself? Uh,
1: that's a good question, man. I was, I was thinking about this, you know, you and I were talking a little bit right before we got on here. And, you know, talking about, like, these segues in life, right? Like, I, I kind of thought I was a weird kid growing up. And not the sense I was very social, like, I, I can interact with any human. I'm kind of like a chameleon. I can float between, you know, group and group. But, you know, like when you're young, you're, you're kind of pegged in, into a group, right? Like you're an athlete, you're, a, you're a nerd, you're a music theater person, whatever it was. Right. And I just happened to be, you know, athletically gifted to some degree. And I, I just, I just worked a lot harder than most other people that, that had more athletic ability than me. But you know, so that was my basis, but I was always kind of pegged as like the goofy, silly guy, which kind of meant you're also kind of the like the stupid kid, right? Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so, like, I took on that persona because that at a young age, that's you're you're just you're easily manipulated into becoming and believing whoever whoever or whatever anybody else tells you you are, right? Exactly. And so, I started going to a chiropractor when I was like 11 years old, and. My chiropractor said to me, "He's like, you're gonna be a chiropractor one day." And I remember at 11 thinking to myself, "I'm not smart enough to do that, right?" Like, what is what a crazy th- way of thinking, right? Uh, and then eventually in college, I was like, "You know what? Like, I've done way harder stuff than like taking a few chemistry classes. Like, I can I can do this." And so I just kind of set my mind to it. I'm like, just get through it. Who cares what your GPA is? Who cares, you know, how many sleepless nights you have? Just do it. And and I, I I did it. Like, I surprised the hell of myself. It was the hardest thing I've ever done, really, because that wasn't my, my strength was not school. Right. I mean, I, can, I can't sit still as we're sitting here having this discussion. So to put that much focus and hone in on that much attention span was, like, daunting to me. Right. But when I, when I did that, it just, it, you know, these, like, light bulbs started going off. Like, man, if I can do this, like, what else can I do? You know what yeah. I mean? So yeah. that entrepreneurs kind of started developing there, right? Cause then you get into, you know, practice and it, it, it's like, you can get so absorbed, sucked into it that you lose that entrepreneur spirit, right? Cause you're just, we, we all get so laser focused and on, you know, whatever it is, stability, income. And then all of a sudden it's like, well wait, there's gotta be something more, right? And so it's like discovering and, and bringing up that level of potential. I call it like project potential. And most people just like have a banded ship when it comes to their potential, right? They they don't believe it, they don't know it, they don't know how to bring it out, or it's it's just so scary that the, it just it's easier to stay complacent in the same spot.
0: What's that what's that saying, scared of your own shadow? Right? Yeah. Like everything you could be, but just knowing like what it might be. See,
1: I love my shadow's like ten times bigger than I am and I'm I, you know, I'm not that tall, so that shadow, <laughs> that's, that's a beautiful shadow. Right, exactly. I wanna be that shadow. <laughs> I it's <laughs> interesting you brought up a, a concept too. I've thought about this before, but I
0: think it's the first time I've ever talked about this is that We've got the entrepreneurial spirit, but once you're actually doing it, like, you almost want to take that flight to safety and security where it's like, yeah. I'm doing it, and then you just sit there, and the more you sit there and think about it, the more you freak out about it versus actually doing it. And that's like so many things in life that how that relates, right? We, it Versus when you're actually doing it and running the business, you're not thinking about like what you're actually doing, right? You don't have time to sit there and think, am I nuts, right? But the more we sit there and think about doing things, the less likely we are to do it, or the more we likely we are to psych ourselves out
1: about it and then not do it at all. It, it's so true and this is where like you go back to basics right like like this is where kids are such a beautiful example between the ages of zero and ten you are a yes person because you have to be right like yep. mom and dad say do this you have to say yes you care about two or three things tops right a video game playing with your friends and having fun i mean that, that's yeah. that's all you care about And then all of a sudden like you go through this next phase where it's like academia, high school, whatever, it's awkward. It's the beat down years, right? right? Like you start, you know, you're insecure, people are mean. It's like, I don't know what to do. And then you kind of get this choice right around 20 to 25 where it's like, I don't really feel comfortable. I'm blending in, I'm kind of lost. And then I think 25 to 30 is like this, this time where you can just course correct if you get it, right? And, and just start following the path that you're designed to follow. But how many people do you think even go down that path? Five to ten percent, maybe. I would agree, yeah. right? Like, and then so then then I then I try to dial back. So like, you know, why is that? Like, why are so many people just not living the life that they should be, right? And that means so many different things. Like, people always are define success. I'm like, if you wake up and you got a smile on your face and you're happy and living just free, right? Like that's success. Now sometimes that results in, you know, monetary value sometimes it results in just a very balanced relationship and and work you know what i mean there's different avenues about it but like how many people can go home and just like look in the mirror and be like god dang i'm i'm just happy like yeah i'm I'm just seriously happy right and i don't think it's many people and i don't want to be that person i I refuse to be that person And, and i refuse to let anybody that i really care about in my circle to be that person too you know what i mean so like I guess that's it's like trying to figure out where you get energy from and how to capitalize on it and manifest more of it. I think there's
0: it's the uh, I pondered this before like the term like high on life, where like you just sit there and like I feel really good right now because you just start to think about like all these things that I've had to work so hard for like are happening, and it's like this like dopamine drip that. I can't really describe it. Like you get, it's like one of those things when you get it, you get it. Yeah. And there's nothing I can tell you. Like you know what it takes for you to do it. I know what it takes for me to do it. But I can't tell you, and you can't tell
1: me, either. words it's what it's like. And how how many people do you come across that are envious of that or jealous of that? And you're like, you look at them like, dude, I'm pretty sure we're designed almost identically. Right. I really don't have anything that you don't have. I just kind of choose to be happy and I, I, I give I give control that I don't have control of I give it away right and, and so I focus on the, the very small amount of things that I control in my life and I, ex, I I exploit them I just I just make them everything they're supposed to be
0: I think it's funny you mentioned how many people cause like the jealousy like there's times in my brain I'll chuckle where like you can tell like there's certain times like there's certain folks that you might be around or like this encounter on a consistent basis where it's like i own so much real estate in your brain and i don't even know why like just because you're mad because i'm happy and usually that's a reflection of somebody being insecure about themselves because between like you're talking about the 25 to 30 year old range they decided hey i'm just gonna keep living inside this bubble right i'm gonna keep doing what everybody else is doing because that i think should make me happy right because they want the societal approval but they're not actually giving approval of themselves and making their own choices man yeah
1: like what what if you know i always think about this too like what if At at some point, middle school, maybe first year of high school, what if there was a whole course or a program that kids had to take on figuring out who they were? You know what I mean? Like, that's what you're doing, right? That's what I'm doing. I'm constantly figuring out who I am. But really, in in doing that, you're erasing the first 20 to 25 years of what you were told to be, who you're told to be, what societal sort of role and and steps you're supposed to follow. And so I was like, you know, I I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old and like, like the happiest moment is when I come home and my daughter's like, you know, dad, so-and-so was doing the monkey bars today and she said, I can't do it. And I <coughs> said, we don't say can't. And I was like, that's my girl, right? Because she start, you know, we're starting, we're starting to go through this, this thing where she, all the things I was t- talking to her at a young age, I didn't know if she understood, if she was even yeah. hearing me. It's like, oh my gosh, man, this girl absorbed and picked up on all of it. And now she's giving that freedom to somebody else, right? So it's like, it's all it's a journey there's never an end point to it but I don't think people are ever even aware until often too late that like life does end and so how many of those years were awesome right and how many were just like I wish I could go back and redo it I just I I refuse to be 70 years old and be like I want to redo stuff yeah. Uh, I, I just want to allow it. So, yeah. You mentioned an interesting thing with your own daughter, right? Did you have that same philosophy from your
0: parents growing up as a kid where, like, they would always talk to you that same way? No. Neither did I. But I think that's an interesting thing because you get to watch, like, when you figured it out, you're at this age, right? Let's put it, pin it down the road, right? But then you get to give it to her at the very infancy. And it almost, to me, like, I don't know if I'll ever have kids, but I think about, like, the impact you can create of, like, whoa, if you're giving this. That mentality to an adolescent,
1: what they could do with it—it's almost mind-boggling to yeah. try to fathom that. How destructive it could be, right? Or how purposeful and and driven it could be. You know what I mean? Like you can you can, you can take this so many different roads, and I feel like there's you know you get extremes on on, on the other side. You know the, the really unpleasant, and then the, the utopia part of it. Most people fall like somewhere in the in the middle, which. I think might be the most devastating place to be, because if you're on the extreme end of it, like rock bottom, like dude, that's that's the greatest place to to, to have a skyrocketing epiphany of, of I need to get out of this. Can't go down, right? So, okay,
0: part two, we're picking it back up. So we're talking about the bottom, right? The two ends of the spectrum you want to be at, right? Either the highest high or the lowest low. Rock bottom is great because you can't go any lower, but keep going on the darker you if you could.
1: Well, good. Well, this is kind of this is. This is how I got to where I am, right? So, like, I, I don't know for whatever reason, because of society, like I always thought making a hundred thousand dollars a year was like that was the goal, man.
0: Right? Because when you're a kid, like hundred grand a year, man, you could buy whatever you yeah, want. That, exactly. That's an insane
1: amount of money. <laughs> Turns out it's not. You know what I mean? So, like, I remember when I got to that point in practice, which happened relatively quickly. And I I was single, I was a bachelor, so, like, that's a good chunk of change, right? Right. And I'm like, well, this is great. Now I can travel, I can do some stuff. And then I did that for, like, a year, and I'm like, all of a sudden, I'm like, dude, I've been kind of just floating on this same level, right? So it's either I had to, like, and this is how how, uh, the recipe for me has always been I almost have to, like, go to rock bottom. Like, I almost have to self-sabotage because then it will spark that adrenaline, that push, that passion to get to the next level. I'm learning in life that I don't need to do that as much. Like self sabotage has more consequences with the more responsibility you get. So it was easier back then. So you know, I it's almost like I intentionally made some poor decisions so that I would feel like I had my back against the wall, right? And then yeah. I would take that. I would take that next step forward. So, you know, like y- you can play two different roles when you're rock bottom. You can play victim, like "Why me? It's not fair," yep. or you can look yourself in the mirror, and be like "Well." dude, you're the one who pretty much caused all this. You are here because of one person only, and that's yourself.
0: But how often do you think in society right now? Like, I, I unfortunately think in society with, like, social media and stuff, it's, glamor- it's glamorized to, like, who's the biggest loser, right? Like, the, the biggest victim right now in, on social media is the biggest winner, right? Because it gets the most sympathy. Sure. But that sympathy is actually keeping that
1: person. Uh, yeah, man, it's enabling, right? But, like the the intent like so so it's like your value system like do you have a code for your life like i was talking about you know i got a plan for everything like we're in covid covid world right now people are so fearful of covid why are they they, why are they fearful because they lack the knowledge and they lack the game plan right like i know right now if i have covid or if i got covid I, i i would know exactly step by step what i'm going to do to to defeat it yeah Right? And I'm also doing things on a daily basis already to protect myself, strengthen my immune system, and get through it anyway. So it's like it's not a fear for me. When you when you have a code for life, not like Dexter, Dexter had a code for life that was immoral and not ethical. But when you have a code for life, right, and you follow it and you apply it to like the five domains of life, like there's a sense of security that like it, it takes a whole lot for fear to start to, to penetrate that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I think a lot, I think most people are just the, the, the people that are in the middle don't have that code right they, they have a piece of it a part of it but they're still in this weird process of like trying to strengthen their weaknesses which never makes sense to me like i'll be the first person my biggest strength is that like i'm not the smartest person in the room so that gives me the ability to adapt learn and listen to other people right um where else was i going with that i don't know but you so the part where you talk about people eating the middle
0: that's the middle is always the scariest part to be in because it's the hardest to get out of. Because things aren't too great, but they're they're not too bad, mm-hmm. right? If your life is mainly mellow and it's like, okay, this isn't too bad, if you live in the middle long enough, <clears throat> it's almost like an addiction, right? We're like, I don't have to get out of it. Like, it's not that bad. But it's not that it's great. It's not, <clears throat> yeah. But think about that even from like a, you know, uh, entrepreneurial standpoint. I think the worst or the hardest, group to get brought up in to become an entrepreneur is the middle because things aren't too bad if you come from the bottom <clears throat> like you talk about like an inner city kid that knows like I gotta get out of here like this is not where I want to be mm-hmm. you have this inherent fire inside of that person that you can't get out of somebody in the middle maybe but it's less common and then if you come up in, on the top side of things in the high side you're surrounded by people who have absolutely dominated so you start to pick up on that subconsciously because most of the stuff we do in life is based in our subconscious. Like how we do most of our day, so yeah. those are two winners.
1: I think there's a. Well, and most people don't think of themselves as an entrepreneur, which is is really unfortunate. Do you know what I mean? Because if if you spent a portion of your day branding yourself, right, and branding yourself really means like, okay, here's what I'm really good at, and I want to I want to create my story and and share my story, right? People don't people don't see that door that they don't see that opening, so again it goes back to the beginning like i'm going to teach my kids how to brand themselves like you're, you're going to be a leader now whether that's a leader of multiple people multiple people or just yourself it doesn't matter but you have to be a leader right if you want freedom if you want hap- true happiness and, and genuine authentic leader yeah you know what i mean but we always think of leaders as leading some sort of odd movement or you know a group of people like those leaders that that. I guess come to mind like they had to lead themselves to get to that point. The saying being, "How can you lead others if you can't lead yourself?" Yeah, and that's the thing. People, people, and and you can see through this, right? You and I were talking about like getting a vibe from somebody. Like, you know, within the first ten minutes, like I'm gonna have beer with this guy and then never see him again. Yep. Versus like, God, I just maybe I I got to just write down I'm gonna call him in a month and just check in because I just need to see what he's doing. Um. So, it's like we kind of hide behind this, like, cloak, man. We just, a lot of people just try to blend in. Like, they're saying one thing, but they're not congruent with the actions that they're doing on a day-to-day basis, right? And I'm, I'm the first person to admit, like, I've been horrible at that, right? Like, I'm just all this health and wellness practitioner and preaching this stuff. And then I'm, like, looking at, some, you know, my, my day-to-day, I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm, like, 75% congruent. And that, that 25% of non-congruency... It's, it's devastating, right? Because that's how you get to a point of burnout. That's how you get to a point where, like, um, you can just be okay with it because, well, you know, 75% is not bad Pretty good. Like, I'm paying my bills. <laughs> like, I get on vacation once a year with my family. That sounds miserable to me. Like, I'm absolutely. It's like, what percentage of your week are you doing what you want to do on your own time? Well, Gabe, think about the fact that you mentioned, like, when you go down
0: to that 25 to 30 percent route and you think, I'm going to take the different path. Well, now you know in your brain, it's the gift and the curse that you know in your brain living at 75 is not living at all. Like you're basically taking the downhill slope and eventually that downhill slope is gonna pick up steam and it becomes harder and harder to get
1: out of. That's 100% true, right? Like what's your trajectory? Like look at your your current status, look at it a year ago and are you trending upward? I 100% believe it. And don't lie to yourself because a lot of people are like, well, yeah. And they'll find a way to like, Manipulated, like yes i got more money in my bank account but but dude you're kind of like still talking about the same stuff that we talked about last year you're kind of in that same position you told me last year you weren't that happy so
0: you know what i mean i just talked about this on a small instagram clip this week of that the biggest liar is somebody you and i both know right now you and i just met like right now but 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 the biggest liar is the per we both know who this person is it's us to ourselves yeah Right? It's that conversation you're having with yourself because that's the one that you're always surrounded by is what, what you're telling yourself in your head. I think that relates back to the middle, right? Folks will say, like, you ever heard the saying, Don't get too high, don't get too low, like don't let your emotions like, you know, move you or anything like that. I that sounds to me awful. I live and die a hundred times by the time we hit nine thirty. And I don't like I know this is gonna shorten probably ten years off of my life. I do not care. Because the more the amount of life and the body work I'll get to put together living that way is far more, in my mind, far greater than if I were to just be the mellow guy. Like,
1: right. I don't know, And you I'm... talk about, you know, like, you're talking about, like, leaving a legacy to some degree. But now, whatever that means for you could be completely different than what it means for me. But, like, think about your own family. You probably had multiple family members pass away over, over the course of your life or friends or yeah. somebody. Like, I always, I always, like, at a young age, I remember thinking about this. Like, why do we, I've had grandparents die on both sides. I've had... Uncles, nephew, or not nephews. Woo, sorry, <laughs> no nephews. Um, but I've had people pass away in my life. But why is it ten years down the road we're still talking about my grandpa Doug, but we're not talking about somebody else that died, right? Like, I, I just I found that interesting. So like, all of a sudden it started clicking. Like, I want to be grandpa Doug. Like, after I pass, I want people sharing stories about me and yeah. good ones, like how I influenced them. How you know just memories and moments that were created based on just my pure insanity to, you know, take a chance and do something that was going to leave not a moment, but a lasting, cemented, impacted memory. You know what I mean? It's
0: like the life resume you're building that people get to look back on over and over and over again. And I don't think people realize they
1: have a potential to leave a legacy. Like, you know, like, I think we're just so brainwashed into legacy is like leaving behind something physical. And that's just total nonsense, right? Like I have nothing right now that in 10 years physically actually I'll probably care about, right? Like my house, my car, 10 years from now, uh, you know, I get so bored I want to move every three years anyways. I need a new car every year because, well, I don't know, this one's boring. Right. Um, But the legacy to me is like, yes, it's like all my patients that I'm seeing right now, I, I I feel like I can and I still have the opportunity to make such an impact on them that they could potentially pass it on to their child and then somewhere down the line some oddball that I never met's like yeah this Dr. Gabe dude like told my mom or dad something like this that, that helped propel them or something like that you know what I mean and like then I'll be up in heaven looking down and like yeah I'm like got a smile on my face like Think about
0: how That's much, I and I, I already know the answers, but how much more does that mean to you than any anything monetary? Like the fact that you get to create this chain that'll forever starts this positive snowball. Uh,
1: it's the, yeah, the, the the decades that you create once you're physically gone are actually way more important because if, if you accomplish that, it means that means you accomplish everything before you pass. Yeah.
0: So, talking about leaving a legacy, um, I would be remiss to the highest extent. So, you being a part of what I would consider the most psycho of psychos in the best way possible. I give that as a compliment. Yeah, okay. In the ultra-running community, right? So, people subject, knowingly subjecting themselves to that kind of, like, intentional suffering, right? And I do think this is a podcast that we're a pro-intentional suffering podcast. So, like, intentionally putting yourself in that spot, Um Can you walk me through the running career? Like, how did you get into running just in general on the front end? I'm curious to know that.
1: I had a brother that would beat my ass growing up, and uh, it taught me to run fast. Okay. So, you know, like, I, 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 I don't know. Maybe I embellished this story, but, like, I didn't want to take the bus to school because my brother would pick on me. Or maybe the bus just sucked. I think it does in general. So I would just start running to school. And then I would run home from school until eventually uh, the bus driver called my parents because it was like, I'm in middle school running like six miles, you know, with a backpack. And I'm, my whole goal is to beat the bus home. Like, that's all I care about. Right. So people were cheering me out from the bus. Like, it was kind of a thing. Uh, and then so I, I just, I realized, like, I was a better runner than most people. So, like, I capitalized on that. And it, I ended up getting a scholarship to run in, um, in college. Where'd you go to school? Lost, lost my passion because because that became more of a job. Uh, I went to Western Michigan, so I ran across, Broncos? Yeah, the Broncos, right? Um, But, you know, who cares about all that stuff? Like, yeah, I I, I I, had some, you know, good times. And, you know, as a kid, I was really weird. In seventh grade, I don't even know why I did this. I, I, I wrote on my wall, I wrote three things. I wrote, I will not drink pop. I will not drink, or I will not eat fast food. We didn't even grow up, like, we didn't have pop in the house. Yeah. We didn't have fast food unless it was, like, for a reward or something like that. And the third one was, I will break every high school record. And there's some profanity with it, too. And my mom let me keep this on the wall, you know, whatever, how old you are in your seventh grade. It's like, I'll break the F in high school records. But, like, that was, like, innate. That wasn't somebody told me to do this, right? And so, like, I accomplished it. I didn't eat fast food or drink pot for a decade plus. You know what I mean? And then, uh, so, like, at some point I had maybe a little bit more of this, like, inner fire to just win you know what I mean uh and then throughout life because you know life gets chaotic like you lose some of that here and there right you go through these ebbs and flows of like I'm on top I'm on bottom like where's my path what happened was when I was in grad school I happened to read the newspaper uh, a physical actual newspaper and I saw that this guy named Reza Bellucci was running through the town in Iowa in which I was going to grad school and he was going to be doing like a little cameo. Resabolucci had set his mind to set the world record from running to L.A. to New York in the shortest amount of time. So I was like, I mean, that's pretty cool, man. Yeah. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip a class and, and say hi to this guy because he was carrying America flag the whole way and so like local news channels would kind of follow him. And so met up with this guy and, you know, we did this like little, little mile run. It was all for a photo shoot like the news, the news stuff. And then uh, I just started talking to him and he was, he was I think he's from... Iran or Iraq, and uh, we just connected. You know, it, I mean, there was a huge language barrier that, like, right. we shouldn't have connected, but it was just like the energy connected, right? Right. And he was like, "Hey, man, I'm running from here to Chicago. Why don't you just join me?" And I'm like, thinking about my last run, which was two weeks ago, it was probably three miles. You know, I'm like hardly running at this point, once or twice a week. And I'm like, "Oh man, I'm you know, I'm like my farthest run is like three miles in the in the past month." And Resolution's like, "Okay." So what? Let's go. And he's like, you're just running. I'm like, well, okay, I'll try it, right? And so he picks me up at 4 a.m. And he had, like, a crew following him. So he had a van. Yeah, yeah, where, You know, he'd run 50 miles, and they'd be at the 50-mile mark with his Nutella. That's all the dude ate was Nutella and bread. Just, Which is just, so bad a, for you, So bad. Right? <laughs> so bad. But, dude, we'd be running, and, like, we, we got lost in conversation. I got lost in his the story of his life. And, dude, like, anything that I thought was hard in my life, like, this dude just... Blew that away, right? Like he started running because he, uh, you know, in their culture, he got caught hooking up with a neighbor girl, and his dad beat him naked with poison ivy. Oh, yeah. Oh, like I got hit by a wooden spoon. Yeah. Not by poison ivy. So the second time he got caught, he had a choice: go through that again and probably, probably worse, or run away. He ran away, ran away from home, and actually he got put in put in jail because of. Crossing borders and so forth and he he spent a month in jail and he said he ran in place the entire time to keep his mind right and so once he got out of jail then it was like this running thing kind of just took place and and you know he he hooked up with charities and so forth and so on so i'll never forget it man we're running through the middle of nowhere i don't even know what time it is it's you know past midnight right and i just remember thinking to myself like we're probably on mile 30 of 100 and i felt no fatigue in fact, I felt more energized than I did at the, during the first 10 miles of that thing, right? Because the first 10 miles, I'm still in my mind, I'm thinking, how am I going to complete this thing, yeah. right? You know, I've committed, I don't, I guess there is a bus I could jump on, but that didn't sound too attractive to me. But 30 miles into it, I'm like, oh my God, dude, like, I'm not even tired, it's the furthest I've ever ran. Right? And it's just, like, this this energy, like, it just kept coming and coming. And I, w- I was trying to figure out, like, what was the source of it, man? Like, where is it coming from? Reza was a huge part of it. And anyways, we completed this 100-mile run together. It took us, like, 28 hours. And, like, after that, I got done. And I was like, again, it was that. Oh, s- I got to
0: stop because <laughs> So you're telling me this guy shows up at your house, knocks on your door, for whatever the hell it is, I don't care. Yeah. Right? You guys start running. And so in an. I'm assuming very non-stop fashion, like, you guys pit stop and put a new a Nutella a slice,
1: I guess? I, I think we, I think he took an uh, hour and a half snooze, which was amazing. Did you ever see somebody that, like, I don't know, have this ability? This dude sat back in the chair, two seconds later, he's... Yeah, he creeps out. me out, yeah. He's out, I'm like, oh man, like, I should probably try to fall asleep, which I couldn't do. And then he wakes up, like, like he slept for eight hours, you know what I mean? Um... But yeah, it was, cr- it, it was crazy because then I just realized, like, man, the human body is, like, capable of doing some crazy things. But, like, my body did 30% of the work. My mind did 70% of that work.
0: But we, so well, most people think the, whole
1: yeah, a lot of people think it's the inverse. Yeah. Where it's like the body's got to do it and you just have to kind of think yourself to get it started. Your, your body was designed to live for 120 years. So, like, our bodies can, can do marvelous things. And, and modern technology has maybe helped us, maybe hurt us. But nobody really focuses on the most important part, which is that mental training, right? Like, that's where you're at in your journey, right? Like, you, you're becoming as sharp as you can mentally. Yeah. And, and strong. Like, just, just just realizing that you're capable of amazing things. Um, and we spend way too much time diverting our energy and thought process to other things that, you know, are important but n- not nearly as important. So, what... So, so, the all... Altru- yes. Yeah, so, so.
0: Okay, so, like, that's kind of like your first rough etch into an ultra, because that's a nasty mileage to run, and, you know, yeah. untrained, too, so it's kind of cool. Reminds me of a certain... I don't want to get sued. Reminds me of a certain book of a certain guy that will briefly mention the initials of that you end up running in. So, yeah, I guess, because of time, the, the one I'm... Because when you mentioned you ran, this blew my mind, because I know what that race is. Can you describe to the people what the Leadville 250 is, and how nasty of a course that is?
1: Uh, so, I did the Leadville 100. Leadville 100, I'm sorry. Uh, showed up there... Not recommended. I showed up there two days before the race. And, uh, you know, altitude, like being from Illinois and going <laughs> to Colorado is like, it's not smart to try to run 100 miles with like two days of acclimation. But it was funny because I got there and they do this like honorary uh, beer mile. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, you, you run a quarter mile, chug a beer. Yep. And then do it four times, right? And, uh, I mean, that was my, my my specialty was the mile. so. These guys, nobody actually cared about winning this. It was for fun, but for some reason, I wanted to win this thing. So I win this, this beer mile and immediately start vomiting profusely and have the worst altitude sickness ever, which I think actually allowed me to do well in the actual race because it got all that toxin toxicity out of my body. But you're surrounded by a bunch of people that, like, the thought process, the things they care about are so different than what you're encountering every other day of your life in, you know, normal day-to-day activities. So it's like inspiring, man. Like you're around people that are doing things that a very small percentage of people will ever do or think of doing. And yet they're still having fun doing it, right? Yeah. Like it was just, it was just like a, it was a concept that was like super appealing and attractive to me. And then again, you know, you're going through this race and it's like, I'm in the middle of the mountains. I'm, I'm being led by stars and, and moonlight. And there's a steep drop-off that I would potentially die if I just lost focus. And then I, I, I meet up with a runner from another state. I get to hear his story. I get to the, the aid station. And I, I get to look at the expression of pain on people's face. And I'm like, this is so brilliant. I love it. Like, this is so just st- stupid, really. But but, but it, is it really? No. I mean, it's stupid, stupid in the way that, like what are we doing and why and like that's why i'm always trying to hone in on and figure out like intention having intention behind something right yeah. and so like i knew i what i did know if i finished this race or even if i didn't if, if i gave my all i knew i'd be a better man at the end of this than i was at the beginning of it and sure enough that, that had to have happened right like it just did
0: and that's actually one of my questions is what did you find out about yourself in doing that right and like the final i guess you know say so you get past the first 50 the second 50 right like now it becomes a lot more real I'm assuming yeah. what, what do you find out about yourself you
1: like, go from wondering about yourself to knowing about yourself
0: tell me more about that
1: Um. The, the questions can I do this turn into how can I do this right and then at certain points throughout a race like that you just have to like think about the journey up to that point like dude there's no there, there, there's no way that I thought I'd get to this point. So, if there's no way I thought that. Then I could just repeat that one more time and I'd be done. And then, when you get to that point, again, it's just like this all, all these other things in life that, like, you know, with, without challenge, there is no change. You know, I, I love like that. that. I love that. I love that saying. Trademark. And if you're not doing that, if you're not challenging yourself multiple times a week, dude, like, you are still in that same lane that most people are in, right? And, like, the other quote that I love, and I've always lived my life by this. Thank you, Sarah Robinson, my freshman girlfriend she said the trouble is if you risk nothing you risk even more Ooh. so to me in my mind when I wanted to give up it was like if I give up running right now what do I risk and I didn't know and that's what kept me going I didn't want to miss out on what that potential was or what that feeling was right and so glad I did it man like it and, and not for the fact that it, it wasn't, I don't it, you know, the race was cool. I finished 100 miles, blah, blah, blah. That, that, that part's cool because I can brag about it if I, if I want. Right. But it was just like this epiphany that life isn't that hard and it's meant to be like enjoyable. Right. So I went back to my day to day and I'm like, what do I hate doing? Let's get rid of it. How do I get rid of the four or five things that I hate doing every week so I can put them into a category of something that I love?
0: Do you ever find I always I hear this so often, right? On the other side of the suffering, there's peace. On the back side of the suffering on the mountain, there is peace that sits up there. Mm-hmm. Now, we'll transition this over, but you also I don't have heroes personally, I'm a god guy, but like if I had to pick a hero, there's a guy that you ran against that is somebody that I uh, mm-hmm. kind of changed my life forever off reading the book. Can you tell me what it's like to because I'm just you'd be the only guy I've ever met that can firsthand explain this. What is it like to compete against a guy with the initials of D and G?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, let me ask you a question real quick. What about him drew you to him? What about him actually made you change something about yourself?
0: Yeah, so I was uh, I was going through a divorce at the time, like living in, so I was living in this like 800 square foot apartment. I had a bed on the floor. A uh, folding chair and a two-person couch. And that was it. And a fork and a plate. And uh, I remember sitting there thinking, like, what I was, like, at that point, like, you just, you're second-guessing everything, right? And I was like, okay, yeah. what I'm doing is not working and. I remember I was, like, going to this gym, my buddy's like, oh, you can listen to this Gary Vaynerchuk guy. And, like, I like some of the stuff he says, but, like, I was just not getting it. Yeah. And then, like, one of my buddies, like, gave me this, like, uh, leadership book by Jocko like another great writer, and I was like, I get it, but I'm not getting it. Mm-hmm. And then I remember on, online, like, there was this guy that came up, and I was like, who is this person? And then <clears throat> read his book, and, like, you understand, like, that guy's suffering. Like, he can come from that kind of situation and make it to where he is. I can go from where I'm at right now and on the other side of this, like, I can make it there. So I guess it was that and the fact of the one part is the San Diego one. Everyone knows the story about the San Diego one. day. shows up, runs a hundred miles, which I guess like, damn, I must be nuts because everybody's doing it now. So I'll go get the shoes out and I'll lace them (laughs) up and we'll get after it. But the the other part too, where like, when you want to do something so bad, I think the one story in the book where he's got his buddy sitting in the medical tent and uh, they're, they're doing train, they're on the log, just carrying the log on the beach back and forth. Right. And this is his third time through it. The guy's got pneumonia, so he's talking to the story. He's like, I'm just coughing blood everywhere. He goes, it's hard to hide it on a white shirt when you're just coughing blood everywhere. <laughs> and so my one buddy's sitting in the medical tent. He, he can hear the radios going back and forth, and they're in the middle of the night. So it's like the instructor's like, all right, get Goggins off there. He's, he's got pneumonia. Get him in the medical tent. And so my understanding of how it works is he goes in the medical tent, and while they're waiting for like the docs to come in and check him, slips out underneath the side of the tent, and then he goes, the guy in the medical tech hears over the radio like, my God, Goggins is back on the log again. <laughs> and it's just when you start to have something in your brain where it's like there's nothing that can stop me now to do this or like if I'm willing to die over something because I want it that bad, like I started to think like, well, what can I do that I want to be that bad in mm-hmm. risking it? So that's long story short of what I still think about all the time.
1: Well, and that's, you know, that's what draws me to him. That's what draws me to other people. Like pain and suffering is such a – um so much more of a powerful, impactful emotion than happiness and bliss. 100%. Because when you're happy, like, you're just happy. Like, you don't really think about it. When you're painful, you focus on that pain, right? So what he does is brilliant because in his mind, it's always, I think he says it's always uh, 37 degrees or 45 degrees. Like Yeah, for, yeah, 45 degrees the sunny. It's yeah. always 45 degrees and sunny. So, like... You know, just change, and, and this is like concentrating. Constant I'm constantly doing this. Like here's a great example of it. Like the words that you use have impact. You're feeding your brain. Those words go down through that nervous system and they go to every organ, tissue, and cell in your body. So I'm always thinking about this constant loop of what I'm feeding my brain. So like when you ask me, hey, how are you doing? My biggest pet peeve is when somebody says, not bad. Well, then you mean you're good. <laughs> Right. But you just used a negative to, to try to tell me that you're good. So, like, I try to remember all these things, and I'm talking to myself in a, in a way of confidence, in a way of, um, you know, pushing forward. And, and it, it's congr- it should be authentic and congruent to how I actually feel. But pain is the only way to get to this this point, I think, right? Being, yeah. Because pain is the, the factor that will stop you. And if you can push past pain, then all of a sudden you realize there's a whole other dimension to get to. And then you're always—it's almost like you're pain seeking, right? Which, comes, which which can be, uh, demolishing too.
0: I also think, but it's yeah. I, but it, this is the, kind of the hardest part of like hanging out with people. Like if you and I hang out together for enough days in a row, eventually, like, if you and I went to like I don't know the middle of somewhere and shared an Airbnb together, by like the day four. I would be very curious to know like what we end up doing, right?
1: I'd it, be curious if you're gonna be alive still.
0: Right. Well, I, mean, it, me, I might
1: have I might have already killed you. We were,
0: <laughs> that's I was laughing with <laughs> I was laughing with one of my friends. I was like I was like telling the story of how you and I met just kind of being similarly minded, and I go, We're either gonna be really good friends, we're gonna hate each other in the first three minutes, and we'll
1: know pretty quickly. But uh, I guarantee we'll both get something out of it. Yeah. We'll both grow because of it. Hundred you know? percent. Yeah. And so like be, you know, surrounding yourself with people like Goggins, you know, and not necessarily you know, to that level. Correct, but but, but everybody has the Goggins potential. And Absolutely, I mean, but but just they don't they don't realize it. And Goggins said, "Well, I'm, I'm just going to show people."
0: And the dude ran Which all those races so with important.
1: a poker size or a quarter size hole in his heart the whole time. Well, dude, he's he's too big. to I mean, right? I know he's lost a lot of weight, but he's he's too tall to be running ultra marathons. he's gone against the grain on every level of ultra running. Which
0: just makes you think, like guys that are built for the prime, what is actually possible out there that someone.
1: Is right. gonna like I was always I was always pissed growing up. Like God, if I had my brother's height, if I had somebody's height, yeah. like I'd be in the league. You know what I mean? But the only reason why I'm good at anything I do is because I wasn't that tall. I had to work harder to get to that level. Yeah, right. And so then I remember like going to these these ultra racist and I'm like, these dudes like have to run multiple. I'm running my first one, and I'm like, I just look around. I'm like, I gotta be better than one person here.
0: You know, that was always my mindset. Ooh, like I gotta be better. I, like than, that. I gotta
1: be better than one person. Same thing in class, man. I'm in biochem. I'm like I'm the stupidest person here. No, 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 no. That guy right there. I gotta be smarter <laughs> than that guy. You know what I mean? So that was always my mindset. Was like, I, I, if they can do it, I can do it, right? And, and you know that. I don't know. It's like life really. Life isn't that hard. We we make it incredibly hard. But I just don't think it has to be. Because
0: we think about it, and don't do it.
1: I mean, why can't people take action, right? I mean, this is a whole different podcast, different conversation, but like you, you could go into the psychology of this over and over again, but it boils down to one or two. Usually does. Right.
0: As we close this out, I always like to ask what's next for you.
1: What's next for me? Well, after you leave here, I'm, I'm making my race calendar. So, you know, I I, I, like the only way that I'm actually going to take action is by setting goals. I can't just float without an actually objective ending to it. Right. So, uh, you know, running, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break the three-hour barrier mark in a, in a marathon this year. Um, it's been a couple of years since I've done that. Uh, I'm going to, I'm, I'm challenging myself on every level. So everything, you know, I'm looking at my day-to-day, and I'm looking at the things that make me happy, right? And it used to be, how do I get rid of things that don't make me happy? Now I'm looking at things that, that make me happy. Coding, I'm like, how do I 10X those? How do I make those mm. even better? Matter. not mm. just for me but like how do I, I express this this life on a level that like it's so contagious that my children automatically absorb it like that's super powerful and exciting to me right on right
0: last piece you can give and i i don't like what people always ask like oh you should people this for like one piece of advice on the end of the podcast like we'll try this out so for all the people on instagram chirping in uh with just advice um Gabe, what is your one piece of advice you can give to the people listening right now?
1: Yeah, this is this is what I'm doing with myself. So this is the challenge I'll, I'll put up to your listeners. Is, is pick one word, one word that will change your world, that will change your life. Pick one word that you can apply to your finances, your relationship, to your physical goals, your mental goals, your nutritional goals, and, and, and utilize it. And, and make that your thought process behind every action that you take. Because your actions are going to govern your behavior, and it's, you have to have this, you have to have this system in your mind, man, you know, like you, it's simple, it's one word, yeah, pick one damn word, stick to it, and before you do something, see if that, that word matches where you're trying to go. I love it, episode three, wrapped.